we're continuing our study in the book of Second Chronicles. We're in Second Chronicles chapter 29, if you want to follow along in your Bible. And if you don't want to follow along in your Bible, then you can read it off the wall, because we're kind of an off-the-wall group. Oh, yeah, baby. You would think, after what we read last week, with regards to the reign of Ahaz, that there would never be any chance that anything could ever get good again. That the nation of, of Judah, the southern kingdom, had reached a point that there's no way that anything good is ever going to happen among them ever. And now we come to one of the greatest revivals that we ever read about in the Old Testament. And it takes place when Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, becomes king. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask your blessing on it. And we ask you to speak to us from this chapter. As we read about an incredible move, an incredible revival. Lord, in our generation, the things that we're going to read about, our hearts are yearning for. God, we so want you to move in sovereign, incredible ways. And we just are looking to you for encouragement and for direction tonight from this chapter with regards to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. So we're leapfrogging back to David, not as Ahaz had done, but all the way back to as David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now what we read back in the 28th chapter, 24th verse, is that Ahaz had shut the doors to the house of the Lord. Now, it just doesn't mean that he said, hey, we're going to close it up here. We're going to you know, put a sign on it that, uh, you know, lo- no longer in service. But literally, he nailed the doors shut, okay? He closed those doors so that they could not be opened any longer because the nation is now being led by Ahaz into all kinds of idolatry. Well, the first thing that Hezekiah does, first year of his reign, first month that he's He is king. He opens the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priest and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. I, I, I just read this, and I love the honesty of Hezekiah. He's not concerned about anybody's feelings. He's not concerned about anybody being offended. He just says it like it is. We have been in a constant state of decline because they had. I mean, you recall that, that, that some of the northern kingdom, remember the, that Ahaz had hired some, some of the... Uh, um, some of the army from the north to come and, and help him, and, and they ended up, 
you know, betraying him and taking away captives, and, and the king of Assyria turned his back on him, and, and we had all these different countries that were, that were coming in and, and taking captives and, and taking the precious things that were, that were there in, in Israel or in Judah, take, carrying those things away, taking them back to their homeland. We have the king who's saying, hey, since the Syrians beat us, then their God must be greater than our God, so let's serve their God. And we've just been a constant spiral of decline. They've been losing land. They've been losing wealth. They've been losing people. They've been losing battles. And, and Hezekiah just says, this is the way it is. First of all, our fathers, your father, my father, our fathers have done evil in the sight of the Lord. Secondly, they have forsaken him. Third, they turn their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord. And fourth, they turn their backs on him. They have also, fifth, shut the doors of the vestibule, and sixth, put out the lamps, and seven, have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings, eight, in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, because of their actions, because of their choices, the wrath of the Lord fell on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering as you see with your eyes. We are people that are mocked and are laughed at and that are made fun of constantly. Okay, We have trouble. We have desolation. All of that is because the wrath of God has fallen upon us because of the wickedness of those who have gone before. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. Look what's happened to us, okay? We have been defeated, and our people have been carried away. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. And you've got to love Hezekiah because he not only points out the problems. How many people point out the problems? Well, you know, we just we are no longer a spiritual nation. We are no longer a godly nation. We no longer fear the Lord. We no longer respect, you know, the things of God. And blah, 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 blah. I love Hezekiah because he said, this is the way it is, but here's the fix. Okay? He gives the fix. Now, it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. Don't you love that? Okay, guys, it is time for you, time for the Levites, and the, the Levites, you remember the, the, uh, the priests were part of the Levites, part of the Levitical tribes, um, because... Aaron, of course, was part of the tribe of Levi. So all the Levites were separated to God. And then the priest, being part of the tribe of Levi, when he called the Levites together, the priests were there. And he's telling them, it is time for you guys to not be negligent any longer. It's time for you to pick it up, and it's time for you to get busy, and it's time for you to do what's right. Okay? We're not going to follow in the footsteps of our fathers. We're not going to do what they did. We're not going to go down that road. We have gone about as low as we can go. And today, we are turning it around. Then these Levites arose, Mahath, the son of Amaziah, and Joel, the son of Azariah, the sons of the Kohathites, and the sons of Merari, Kish, and Abdi, Azariah, the son of Jehaliel, of the Gershonites, Joah, of the son of Zima, and Eden, the son of Joah, the sons of Eli- Elizaphan, Shimri, and, Jez- and Jeel, of the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Mataniah, of the sons of Heman, Jehiel, and Shimei, and of the sons of Jephthah, Shemaiah, and Uziel. And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord 
to cleanse the house of the Lord. And you notice the first thing they did, these guys stood up. These were the leaders, okay? These are the guys who said, count on us, king. We're, we're following you all the way on this. And they stand up, and the first thing they do is they sanctify themselves. They cleanse themselves. They set themselves apart before they go into the house of the Lord to clean out the house of the Lord. So they did that. They sanctified themselves and then did what the king wanted done, cleaned the house of the Lord. Then the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the debris that they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it out and carried it to the brook Kidron. Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. So they started um, began beginning really at the back at, at the the Holy of Holies in the holy place. The priests went in there and started bringing out debris, and they started bringing out debris, and they worked their way out to the vestibule. And so, and in the, on the eighth day, they came out to the vestibule, and then they had to clean all of that out, and took another eight days. So, sixteen days later, they are done. Then they went to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings, with all its articles, and the table of the showbread, with all of its articles. Moreover, all the articles which King Ahaz in his reign had cast aside in his transgression, we have prepared and sanctified, and there they are before the altar of the Lord. We cleaned it all up. We got it all ready. Then King Hezekiah rose early the next day, gathered the rulers of the city, and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. Then he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So he brought these seven bulls, these seven rams, these seven lambs, these seven male goats as a sin offering. Sin offering for, first of all, the kingdom. Okay, the entire nation of Israel. Secondly, the sanctuary that has been closed for all of this time. And then, in particular, for Judah, for the southern kingdom. He commanded the priests to offer these on the altar. So they killed the bulls, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Then they brought out the male goats for the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. And that's always an important step because one of the things you remember in the, in the Old Testament uh, priesthood was that for the Day of Atonement, they would have two goats, okay? And one was the, was the goat of atonement, the other was the scapegoat. And the priest would, would lay his hands on, on the scapegoat, which is where we get that term scapegoat, and he would begin to confess the sins of the people. He would confess the sins of the nation as he's, as he's in contact with this goat, placing the sins upon him. Then the high priest himself would change his garments and then lead that goat out in the wilderness and, and let it go, and let it go free. And it was symbolizing, God, what we really want you to do is to take our sins from us. We want, to set, we want you to send our sins far away. The other goat was sacrificed. Its blood was sprinkled on the altar. It was burnt on the, on the altar. And it was the goat that, 
that brought atonement. So there were two parts to that. There was the cleansing for sin, and there was the removal of sin. And of course, when we look at that, we realize that's exactly what Jesus did for us, because he atoned for our sin and brought us forgiveness, and then he has carried our sin away from us. So the sin is no longer part of us. So when you see them laying their hands on them, they are not just you know, putting their hands on them. They are confessing their sins upon them and saying, God, we want our sin to be transferred onto this goat. We want our sins to be transferred to this male goat. And as he dies, we want our sins to die with him. And the priests killed them, and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all Israel, not just for the southern kingdom. And you've got to catch this because you're going to see this as time goes on. He was concerned about Israel. He was concerned about God's people. He was not king over all of God's people. He was king over the southern two kingdoms, the southern two tribes, pardon me, which consisted of Judah and Benjamin. Okay? And because Judah was so humongous, it was always referred to as Judah. He was king over Judah. He was not king over the northern ten tribes. And in fact, at this point in time, the northern, northern ten tribes had pretty much been attacked and many of their people carried away by the Assyrian Empire. And yet we see the king who is, who is praying and is commanding to make atonement for all of Israel. All of the Jewish people, not just the kingdom I control. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with stringed instruments, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, of Gad the king seer, and of Nathan the prophet. For thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And so what we see instituted next is music returns the house of the Lord, and music returns to worship. And they did it in the way that David laid it out, because David was in contact with Gad, who was the king's seer. And, and the idea of a seer is, is that of, of one who, who sees things clearly, one who has revelations. And Gad was one of those that just had revelations. And Nathan was the prophet, the spokesman for God. And so David um, you know, gave the commandment and you know, he has these two individuals who are incredibly in tune with God, and they're helping him fine-tune these ideas that he has. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. And you see that wonderful blending of sacrifice and worship, sacrifice and music. With the trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. So all the assembly worshipped. The singers sang. The trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. And you've got to love this about this king. He was not too proud to bow. He wasn't more concerned about how he appeared before people. He was concerned about how he appeared before God. And that's another characteristic of David and another characteristic of Davidic worship. Okay? When you worship like David did, it doesn't matter what people think about you because you're not doing it for them. You're not there to impress them, and you're not there to get their approval. You are doing it for the one and the only one who matters. 
okay? And Hezekiah, the leaders, there they are. I mean, man, they bowed down and they worshiped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. And so the king basically said, don't stop, okay? Get out the, get out the songbook, get out the, the book of Psalms, and let's go through them all, okay? Just start singing and don't stop. And I love the fact that they sang praises with gladness, okay? And that's, that's one thing. If, if you haven't discovered that yet, at those times when you are, are feeling down and you are feeling low, and whether you can carry a tune or not, there is something about worship that, that goes deeper than just tone, okay? We make this melody in our hearts to the Lord. And if you're saying, but I just don't have a melody in my heart, get a melody in your mouth, okay? Because you start singing that, and there's something about that power that will affect your heart. And it will become hymns that we're singing to the Lord, and they end up coming from our heart. And sometimes they kind of drag our heart along and make our heart do it, even though our heart may not be in it. We're going to do it anyway. Then Hezekiah, verse 31, answered and said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. So the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings. As many as were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. And again, we always recognize that what God is looking for is a willing heart, not somebody who has to do it. Even when it comes to our giving, okay, we're not to give grudgingly or of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. And so when it comes to giving, it has to be from the heart. It has to be, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And the number of the burnt offerings which the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. So they brought these as, as saying, God, we want to be atoned for too. We personally want, to, want this to be sacrificed to you. The consecrated things were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. Now, we notice we're getting into, into larger numbers, okay? You know, we had 70 bulls, 100 rams, 200 lambs, okay, burnt offerings. But the consecrated things were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. So they were bringing two things, right? They were bringing burnt offerings, which were for sin and for cleansing, and they were bringing thank offerings, which were just saying, thank you, God. And the thank offerings, of course, equaled a whole lot more than the burnt offerings, but the priests were too few, so that they could not skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore their brethren, the Levites, helped them until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. So the Levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests. The Levites were the ones that were, that were more on top of this. They were more on board with this. Okay, the priests were kind of dragging their feet. A lot of the priests hadn't even sanctified themselves. And so now all of these animals are brought, and it's like, okay, we need to skin these. We need to get these ready for the, for the priests to offer. Well, there aren't enough priests to kill all these animals and to skin all these animals. So it's the Levites who step up and say, hey, you know, we're not going to offer the burnt offering, but we can help prepare it. And they were there. And you just see their hearts. They were wanting what the king was, was leading them into. 
Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and with the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. Now, there's something about revival that you just need to file away right here. It happens suddenly. Okay? It happens suddenly. It's not a gradual thing. It's not a, well, I, I kind of, you know, smell smoke, so there's something going on. And after six, eight months, well, a little bit of flame over there. And then, you know, ten months later, it happens suddenly. When God moves he moves suddenly. Day of Pentecost, what does the word say? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were seated and there, there were divided tongues of fire that rested over each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit instantly, 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 suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. And just realize that when God moves and when revival and renewal happens, it's like, wow. Okay? It's just that fast because God is preparing the hearts of individuals. And that's, what, that's what's recognized here because God had prepared the people. Even before the king got up and said, this is what we're going to do. We are opening the doors to the house of the Lord again. We're cleaning out the garbage. We're going to do some sacrificing and we're getting serious with God. The people's hearts were already stirred. So as soon as he said the words, they said, we're on board. We're in it. We're there. Count us in. And it all came together so suddenly. Uh, chapter 30, verse 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. Okay, so um, Hezekiah sends messengers everywhere even to a foreign land. Israel was a foreign land at this time. Okay? He, he had no dominion there. He had no kingdom there. And he sent these, these messengers up there, and he said, I want you to go up there, and I want you to invite those people to come to the Passover of the Lord. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month. When was the Passover supposed to be kept? First month, right? Fourteenth day of the first month is when the... Is when the um, when it was all, all to take place. And that's why it says in verse 3, for they could not keep it at the regular time because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. So all this, all this change started happening. All of it happened really fast. And guess what? Passover came and went. Okay? And interestingly enough, in the book of Numbers, the ninth chapter, the tenth verse we have this command. If any of you are traveling or have a family emergency or are unable to take the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, you may do it on the 14th day of the second month. How convenient was that? That God put that in there long before they ever needed it, because we really never read about it. Anybody, you know, delaying a month on it. But here we have the king saying, because we don't have enough priests sanctified, we can't keep it. And because the people aren't here, we're sending out messengers. And I know this is a month late, but we're okay. 
because God had already made provisions in the word so we could walk in obedience even though we missed the deadline. You've got to love that. God gave this extension to Passover. And the matter pleased the king and all the assembly. So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba, which is the southernmost town in, in the nation of Israel, to Dan, which is the northernmost, that they should come to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. Then the runners went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king and his leaders and spoke according to the command of the king. Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the, he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. So the northern kingdom has already been destroyed, has virtually all been carried away by the, by the Assyrians. Some have hidden, some have escaped, and they've come back to the land. And he said, you know what? If you will turn to God, God will just keep you. And do not be like your fathers and your brethren who trespassed against the, God of, the Lord God of their fathers so that he gave them up to desolation as you see. Now do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may be turned away from you. And notice what he's not saying. And come and become my subjects. Come down to Judah and stay down here. Come and submit yourself to the house of David. That is never mentioned, because this is not about his kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. Okay? When I think in terms of church, we have to think bigger than church. And the terms that I always use is it's not about the castle. It's about the kingdom. Okay? And we need to be concerned about the kingdom, not just the castle, not just those who are inside our four walls, but God's kingdom. And that's exactly what the king's doing here. You need to return to the Lord God. You need to come down to Jerusalem, not so, that, not so you can move down here, not so you can you know, come down and bow your knee to me as, as a descendant of David who's a rightful heir to the throne. No, you come and bow your knee to the Lord that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Verse 9, For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive, so that they may come back to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. What an amazing word from the Lord. What encouraging words. Okay? Yes, you need to get serious with God, and you may be saying, what good is it? I mean, our, our families have been carried away into captivity. We're never going to see them again. It's over for them. No. If you will seek the Lord, God will touch the hearts of those that have carried them away into captivity, and they will treat them with kindness, and one day they'll let them come back to you. But you've got to seek the Lord. So the runners passed from city to city throughout the country of Ephraim and Manasseh and as far as Zebulun. But they laughed at them and mocked them. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and of the leaders and the word of the Lord. Now many people, a very great assembly, 
gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, and they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. And can I just make point of one more thing? Back in verse 14, it says that they took away all the incense altars to all these foreign gods, these false gods, cast them into the brook, brook Kidron. The brook Kidron was that same brook that Jesus passed over to go into the garden. Okay? And the brook Kidron actually finds its, its mouth at the, the area that just comes off of the, off of the altar. And when they would have all of these animals sacrificed, the brook Kidron would run red with blood. And so when you think about this sacrifice that's about to be done, and the blood of these animals is now filling the brook Kidron, and it's coming down, and it's washing over all these things they've thrown into the brook. The blood is covering all of these altars of incense and that these things that have been cast into the brook Kidron. So, verse 15, they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed, sanctified themselves. They, they got the message. They need to get with the program. They got with the program. They stood in their place according to their custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore, the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. So we have this great, great multitude of people who have not sanctified themselves, not cleansed themselves according to the law, so they could partake of the sacrifice of, of, of Passover. And so here the, the Levites are sprinkling these people with blood, sanctifying them. For a multitude of people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. So they had defiled themselves, whether it be with a dead body or with something else, and, and because they had defiled themselves, they really weren't clean to partake of the Passover, and we have the king standing up. Look at the next phrase. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God and the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And he's saying, God, I know there's a lot of people here that have not taken the steps. They've not had the opportunity to sanctify themselves. But God, we're asking you to accept them and we're asking you to pardon them this time only, okay? Next time they'll be sanctified. But we did this one so quickly, and, and God, I just want you to pardon them. Verse 20 says, And the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. He just brought wholeness to them. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord 
day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who had taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. And, and so you can imagine how worn out these Levites were. They're sanctifying people. They're teaching. They don't know. These people that have come, they don't know the law anymore. Okay? They've been born since, since you know, they, they've never had a revival in their day. They've never had a revival in the days of their fathers. They, they've been spiritually desolate, and they don't know the law. And so the Levites are teaching them, okay, now if you're going to partake of the Passover, this is how you sanctify yourself. And, and because you haven't taken the right steps, we're just going to sprinkle you with blood because the king prayed. And God's forgiving today, okay? And so, you know, sprinkling with the blood, and, and, and so all this is going on, and they're teaching. And you can imagine how, how wearing that would be, how worn out you would be. And here's Hezekiah encouraging them. Don't you love that? He gave encouragement to the Levites and who, are, who are teaching the, no, the good knowledge of the Lord. And so he's saying to them, you know, you guys have no idea how valuable your gift is and how valuable what you're doing is. And, uh, and so they ate throughout the, the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. Look at verse 23. Then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. This has been so incredible. This week has been so amazing. One more time, okay? Let's go one more week. And they kept it another seven days with gladness. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep, and the leaders gave to the assembly a 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep, and a great number of priests sanctified themselves. And so what are they doing? The king's saying, I know you guys don't have any more to give. You know, you brought animals to sacrifice. You've, you've sacrificed to, to give those for the past seven weeks or seven days, and I realize you don't have anything left. And so now I'm going to ask you to stay here. You guys want to stay here for seven more days? No problem. It's on me. Okay? I'll give the animals that I have. The leaders are going to give the animals they have. We're going to sacrifice, and we're going to eat, and we're going to pig out for another seven days. Seven more days on the cruise. Here we go. Okay? (laughs) And a great number of priests sanctified. We have more and more priests all the time getting with the program. The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced, also the priests and Levites, all the assembly that came from Israel and sojourners who came from the land of Israel and those who dwelt in Judah. Look at verse 26. So there was great joy. There was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place to heaven. So we have the priests, the Levites who are standing there and they are saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they are praying for the people. And God is just accepting these words that are spoken. Accepting the sacrifice these people are making. And man, that right there is revival. Incredible revival. Lord, as we've read through this account tonight and, we've, and as we're thinking in, in terms of, of the way all of this happened in the days of Hezekiah, Lord, there's nothing preventing you from sovereignly stirring hearts and sovereignly moving in our generation. And I know sometimes, God, we get frustrated. We get frustrated because we don't see you moving 
like we've heard about you moving in the past. We, we don't hear about the miracles taking place like they, they took place in the past. But God, suddenly, everything can change. And Lord, we are asking you tonight to just breathe that kind of breath from heaven that we've read about in these two chapters. Move in the kind of way you moved in these two chapters in our generation, in our land, among our people. God, we never want to be historians and history students that know how revivals happened in the past. We want you to move in our day, and we want to experience it. You talked about the fact that the Spirit of God is like the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. But it just blows according to your will. And Father, as you look on our hearts and you see the desire of our hearts, God, just breathe on us. In Jesus' name, amen. These chapters stand as a reminder that there's no generation that is beyond his reach. No generation that he can't move in. He can do it. He can. All right. No, come on in. Let's talk. What do you need to talk about? And I said, well, uh, the Lord has put in my heart that I need to come and ask you for forgiveness for my transgressions against you. And he said, uh, with a face of incredible, he couldn't believe what was happening. And he said, well, uh, what brings this up, Vicky? Uh, is it because of the holidays, the major holidays coming? And I said, well, I scheduled it today because of your holiday of atonement but this has been in my heart to ask for forgiveness for many for a long time for many years and i finally worked up the nerve and he said oh, vicky well yes 
yes, and please forgive me too. And he hugged me again and he said, thank you, Vicky. What a way to start my past. What a way to bless my holiday. Thank you, Vicky. And I said, okay, well, thank you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. That was so incredible. Vicky called me and told me about that. And I said, oh, that's just, oh, that's so. You know, when we're obedient and we do what we know we need to do and we do what we know is right, God takes care of it. And we, and we always wonder, you know, what will their reaction be? You know, what if they, you know, just blow up when they see us? Let God take care of that. Oh, that is so cool. That is so, so cool. Wow. Anyone else have anything you'd like to share with us? Yes, Annette. Oh, just share them all. Golly, we just love to hear praises. I got engaged last week. Jack and I are getting married. Anybody we know? And I found a job in Hellendale, and I start tomorrow. So that's a huge blessing because there's not that much work out there. And I actually found an office job. So just the Lord's been great. <laughs> and my mom's coming to the wedding, which that relationship was restored in January. So in February. <laughs> wow, too cool. Good stuff. Anyone else? That was good stuff tonight. I didn't want to share it, but I just felt so blessed on Sunday when we had the praise. And I thought, oh, my God, I haven't had, I, I told someone, they said, how was your service? And I go, I think it's the best I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. The praise and worship was so awesome, and God just talked to me, not only in the praise and worship, but also in the service. And I just feel like... Oh, my God, how can, you know, he is just so good. He shows us every step. And I cannot believe it. And one of these days I'll tell you exactly what he, he showed me. But, I mean, it'll take too long. But it's so wonderful to know that God, you know, you know, the worship is, is always good. But Sunday was exceptional. I don't think I've been in a service here in this in Jubilee like Sunday. It was so good and I felt the presence of God. And then when, um, what's your name? Uh, came, Kathy came, went up and said, and I said, oh God, I know that you probably want me to do something, but I just keep saying, oh, not now, not now. But you know, God, God talks to us, he really does. And, and I was, I was just thinking last Wednesday night, why do so many people come to Wednesday night service? I thought, 
If only people would have a love for the Word of God. They would want to come because they would know how wonderful it is to come and hear the Word of God and then it's explained. Nobody has explained some of the things like Pastor Ray has. And I'm just, you know, praying that people will fall in love with His Word. And if, if they fall in love with the Word, like you said, they won't be concentrated here, but it goes out. And God is so good. He just he just is, you know. He blesses and blesses and blesses. And what can we do but praise his name, that's all. We don't have anything to give him. He's so rich and so good. And I just, I didn't want to say it because I thought people are going to think I'm crazy. Maybe nobody else was blessed but me. But I was so blessed. I felt so blessed. And I felt so good to know that God is still talking to yes. us. Yes. And uh, I just want to thank him for it and thank Pastor Rick and Pastor... Um, well, Pastor Ray, I always think, but Pastor Rick, you know, because he let God use him. He went out of his shell and <laughs> let God use him. And that is that takes a lot of courage because people come and they just want to come and get out. But he let God use him. And that, I think, is the beginning of revival. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Good stuff. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Then let's conclude with prayer tonight. And I just have a special need. Um, Leanne, who has worked in, in the office in Barstow for good night about 16, 17 years. Um, you remember about a year ago, I requested prayer because she had fallen as she was stepping out of a travel trailer. Her foot got caught and, and she ended up having three compound fractures on, on her foot. And she and her husband um, had gone out of town last week and she got up out of the the bed in the hotel, stepped down, and broke three bones in the other foot. And so um, she's having surgery tomorrow morning. And, you know, she, I, she just has osteoporosis just terribly bad. And um, I, I think because, you know, she's been on, on this one particular hormone replacement for, you know, 30 years. And, and one of the side effects is that it, it you know, depletes the calcium in the bones. So they, you know, they discovered that and they've been, you know, giving her since, you know, she had the, the broken foot last year, they've been giving her the calcium. Evidently the bones are still really brittle. So, so she's um, going through surgery tomorrow morning at St. Mary's. And so if we could pray for Leanne, I would appreciate it very much. And other needs to, yeah, Richard. For Richard, my son Richard, we received some results from the doctor and they think he has an arrhythmia is that what it's called where it's an irregular heartbeat and he's been having a lot of chest pains in school and just periodically and we just figured it was stress i don't know it could still be stress who knows but he's going to undergo some more uh, uh checkups and uh i i just you know I, I just want the lord to to just nip this in the butt now and you know I, i'm asking that in faith of course uh, i want prayer for him 
and uh, and for Tiffany, uh, I need an unspoken for her. I just need uh, something very powerful to happen for that girl. So God knows what it is. I, I really need them lifted up, and our family too, because when you go out into the streets and you serve the Lord, you become a big target. And that's okay because we're not going to be discouraged. You know, we have the victory. We just need to persevere, and we do that through prayer. So I'm asking for that right now in faith, believing. And Richard, of course, is kind of our worship leader over at youth. So let's just pray to God. Mm Good. God will honor that. God will bless that. Other needs tonight? Okay, got it. That's what we always pray. You know, people are, are open at, at times of loss like they aren't any other times. And that's why I just, anytime I, I always tell people, anytime I have an opportunity to do a, a wedding for unbelievers or a funeral for unbelievers, count me in. I, no, because you, you just have that, that opportunity to speak into people's lives like no other time, and especially at a time of loss. Well, we're going to be praying. And that, that was Paulette and her family that we're going we're gonna to pray for tonight. Okay. Jerry. Yes. Yeah, last, last week. And, and they're, I think they're doing the service um, Friday. So let's, let's pray for, for Marietta. And that's, that's Ben's mom, uh, Ben and Gina. That's Ben's mom that, that lost her husband. So let's pray about that. Yes. They took her off the kidney transplant. Kaiser did because they say it's not bad enough. Um, I don't know. I'm asking God to help out, you know, because I see it is bad. Her feet are swelling. She can't do anything. She says she's always in pain. I don't know what they see different, you know. Of course, they're doctors, so, you know, we got to leave it in their hands. But I just want to offer a prayer that maybe, you know, they'll see maybe they did something wrong and put her back on that. So, hey, what's your mom Debbie. Favorite Debbie tonight. Okay, anyone else? Longer life. Don't die before some. <laughs> and Annette. 
Okay, any other needs? A lot of serious needs tonight. That's okay. We got a serious God, you know? We, we, read, we read tonight, and then we got a God who can take care of business. He can do it. And let's just pray. And as, you, as you're reminded of these needs tonight, just go ahead and, and just pray about those, okay? Father, as, as we as a group come together tonight, and we just, we just open our hearts to you. And God, we bring you things that we can't fix. God, when, when Annette talks about her sister and her daughter, it's just a situation, God, that she can't fix. And these things are out of our hands, Lord. We can't, we can't heal um, Richard of cancer. God, we, we, we can't heal an arrhythmia in, in a heart, but you can. God, you can, you can work in incredible ways. God, you can touch Debbie and, and just bring healing to, to her body. You can give her favor to get back on the, the transplant list. God, you, you can just do things in a myriad of ways. And, and we just thank you tonight, God, that, that you are at work in these situations because we spoke them out. We're bringing them to you. We're saying, God, this is a real concern that we have. God, a, a concern that we have for Marietta and, and the loss in, in, her, in her life and, and for Ben's family and just for comfort for them, God, because you're the one by your Holy Spirit who brings comfort to our lives, who brings us peace, and who brings us encouragement. And we thank you for that tonight, Lord. We just thank you that Bob's having another birthday, Lord, and just the good things that you're doing in his life. And we just pray you'll continue to work by your spirit and continue to do incredible things there. And God, for, for Debbie, uh, Bobby's daughter, Lord, we just bring her to you. We've, we've prayed about the situation and, and the need for, for healing so many times. But God, we're not letting go. You know, we, we think of that, of that woman who had that determination to touch the hem of your garment, who said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. And, and we don't know how many people that she pressed against or how many, how many days she followed after, after you, Lord, until she finally had that opportunity. She was finally in the right spot. She was finally close enough that she reached out and touched. And God, that's what we're, that's what we're doing tonight with Debbie. We're just saying, God, we just want you to touch and bring healing to her life. And God, you can do it through doctors. You can do it sovereignly. We just want it done, God. We just, uh, we know she's tired and we know she's worn out. But God, even though she doesn't have the strength, we're, we're, we're going to take her hand and we're going to help her reach out. God, we're just agreeing in Jesus' name for you to touch her tonight and to bring healing to her body and to just open the doors for healing in her life. Father, I, I just pray for Paulette and her family, this wonderful family that we had the opportunity to meet. And, and, and as we did that service, and we gave them your word, Lord, and we prayed. God, we just pray that the seed that was planted in their hearts will, will not go dormant, but will grow and grow. And that there will be a desire for them in, in their hearts, the, the kind of sovereign thing you do, to know you and to know your word and to know your will, but most importantly, to be your child. And as Bobby has opportunities, as Paulette calls, as she's able to talk to her, Lord, just give Bobby the right words to say, the right words to speak into her life. And, and I just thank you for that tonight. I just thank you for what you're doing there, Lord. And, and Father, I also pray for Leanne, who's undergoing surgery tomorrow. Lord, I ask you to be with her. And I, I, I just so want to see her and her husband, Colin, just really open their lives to you. And I just pray that through your goodness and through your provision that, that they will realize that there's, there's something that's lacking in their lives. They've got a lot of things going on for them, but, but God, you're the best thing that's ever happened to us. 
And I just pray that they would come to know you and that, and that you would be with Leanne tomorrow and just give her peace and, and bring healing to her body in Jesus' name. And Father, I know there are needs tonight that were shared that I've forgotten. Lord, I apologize, but I know others are remembering those right now. And, and we just come in agreement for those and just ask you to, to work in Richard's life and in Tiffany's life. And God, just to let your will be accomplished there and, and bring healing and bring wholeness, God to those that need that tonight. And thank you for the wonderful things we've heard about tonight. Your provisions. God, you going before Vicki. You opening doors for Annette. You bringing lives together. God, you do all things well. And we just thank you for that. And we just bring our needs to you. And we say, God, we just need your help. We just need your intervention. We just need you to work. Lord, I also promised... um, Rebecca Yarborough, that I'd, that I'd pray for her tonight. And Lord, I ask you to touch Becky. And, and as she hasn't gotten the okay from, from uh, the insurance yet to begin the, the physical therapy on her shoulder that she had surgery on, Lord, I just pray that you will just touch her. And as she begins to do the exercise herself, God, that you'll just bring complete healing and, and mobility and movement to that shoulder in Jesus' name. And thank you again, God, for the many provisions for us, the way you watch over us and the way you bless us, God. You are better to us than we could ever deserve. But we want you to know that we are so thankful. We just bring a thousand thank offerings to you tonight, Lord, because we're so grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thanks so much for coming, and just have a wonderful rest of the week.